Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, May the 11th, 2023 on When I Rise. This is my oldest child, Avery's 14th birthday. So happy birthday, Avery Skillen. We're so glad that we have you in our lives. And so on your birthday, we get to cover a New Testament letter passage here in year A, the sixth Sunday of Easter. And the New Testament letter passage from the Revised Common Lectionary this week is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 22. So let me read that passage. We've got a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. First Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 22. Who will harm you if you are zealous for good? But happy are you even if you suffer because of righteousness. Don't be terrified or upset by them. Instead, regard Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts. Whenever anyone asks you to speak of your hope, be ready to defend it. Yet do this with respectful humility, maintaining a good conscience. Act in this way so that those who malign your good lifestyle in Christ may be ashamed when they slander you. It is better to suffer for doing good, if this could possibly be God's will, than for doing evil. Christ himself suffered on account of sins, once for all, the righteous one on behalf of the unrighteous. He did this in order to bring you into the presence of God. Christ was put to death as a human, but made alive by the Spirit. And it was by the Spirit that he went to preach to the spirits in prison. In the past, these spirits were disobedient. God patiently waited during the time of Noah. Noah built an ark in which a few, that is eight people, lot in those lives were rescued through water. Baptism is like that. It saves you now, not because it removes dirt from your body, but because it is the mark of a good conscience towards God. Your salvation comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at God's right side. Now that he has gone into heaven, he rules over all angels, authorities, and powers. This is the Word of God for us. Boy, oh boy, do we have a spicy one today. This is a passage that um, is probably not so like heated, controversial, like in uh, maybe a small church or and even in just a, a church Bible study. But uh, it certainly is like in Bible colleges, seminaries, uh, in undergrad, I know for sure that we probably debated this one way too late at night and uh, proved once again that, you know, there's just not a lot of cool people at Christian small colleges. <laughs> but nevertheless, there's a place for everybody. But uh, this is a passage that uh, has been kicked around quite a bit. And I think people, we draw our eyes to this idea of Jesus preaching to the spirits in prison, right? And so how we go about that is really there's... A, you probably already have a commitment one way or the other before you get there, right? So there's some parts of the Christian tradition that believe that Jesus, after his crucifixion, went into hell because of the payment of sin. Um, some believe that he hollowed out hell, like he was able to become like the savior of those who were ensnared in hell, waiting upon a savior. Like they died in faithfulness, but they needed a passageway. They needed a way out. And Jesus was that way out. Um, but this passage doesn't really get that far, does it? I mean, if we look at once again, Jesus is preaching to spirits who are disobedient prison. And so it doesn't look like he's there to convert anybody. It looks like if there is preaching, if you want to go that route with it, 
Um, he's maybe just preaching judgment, right? Uh, and really no relief, just more of a punitive instead of restorative type of justice, right? But there could be some other things going on there. But let's not, you know, lose the whole point of what's going on here. It seems like Peter is trying to comfort those who are suffering because of their faith. I mean, that's the thesis statement, more or less, of verse 13. And he begins to digress and he talks about uh, Jesus' suffering. In other parts of the letter, he talks about, you know, the suffering of others and how those folks were faithful. And so it seems like there must be just this afflicted conscience uh, within these churches going like, if God is so good, like, why are these things happening to us? You know, and um, and so Peter's like, hey, this isn't the first time that people have suffered for doing good. And it's actually kind of a noble thing if you're doing good and you suffer for it. And it's all going to add up to something. It's like it's not, you know, just for nothing. Like it's not uh, meaningless. But it is going to be a source of like clarity for those who are oppressing you. Like at the end, they're actually going to praise God because of your good behavior. Right. And so he tells them once again to be ready, be prepared to give an answer when people ask a question about the hope that you have, right? Then he goes into this um, assurance about the Spirit's work in our lives. So if you look at verse 18, I believe, yes, it says, um, Christ was put to death as a human, but made alive by the Spirit. Okay, that's important. And then this is where the Greek gets fuzzy. Um, The CEB translates it this way, where it talks more of an emphasis on Jesus preaching to the spirits in prison. Um, where in other translations, maybe the original language, like there might have been more of an emphasis on the Spirit's work here. And so instead of like Jesus um, preaching to the spirits in prison after his crucifixion, some commentators would say that the same Spirit that empowered Noah to preach uh, to those who were disobedient in his day, that same Spirit of Christ um, rested, of course, upon Jesus. Is, and that same spirit is resting upon uh, the church as well. And so I think what Peter is ultimately trying to do, he's not trying to talk about like, the finer points of what happened between Good Friday and uh, Easter morning. He seems to be making a, a, a broader pastoral point about how the same God who sustained the faithful in the midst of their suffering in the days of Noah, in the days of Jesus, will continue to uh, comfort and console those who are in Christ today. And I think that's important. I mean, there's uh, suffering in the church is not equal. Uh, There are parts in the world today where people are physically harmed. Uh, Some are socially maligned because of Christianity. Um, I don't suppose that there's really any grounds for us in uh, U.S. America to talk about uh, being, you know, suffer from being Christian. We have religious liberties. I'm sure there might be some finer points and some court cases out there that wish we'd go one way or the other. But let's be honest, we can carry on. Uh, nothing is getting in our way of being, you know, Christian, at least uh, generally Christian, simply Christian in regards to what our whole story has been. Uh, there might be some things that um, the public just doesn't really care uh, to tolerate anymore about some more of the sectarian Christian movement. But in regards to like, Worshiping God and studying the scripture and acting it out and looking for the common good of people around us. Like, I think our culture is craving that, actually. And so, um, yeah, we, we have to be mindful of those who suffer in Christ today. But like if there ever comes a time where you and I are handed some sor- sort of a, a variant of suffering um, and we have these same questions, this is where a passage like reaches out to us and it says, hey, like the same spirit that has always been with the people of God will be with us today. And because of that, we have great comfort. So this is one of those moments where I think that we can pray for the Spirit's work in our life, right? Um, we're, we're Christian people, so we believe in, in the Spirit's action in our daily life. I think we'd also pray for the parts of the body of Christ that 
are really enduring suffering today. Um, I think that's what a neat uh, thought the Apostle Paul has when he says in another part of the New Testament that when one part is glorified in the church, like all part rejoices and is glorified with it. And when one part of the body of Christ suffers, we all suffer together. And um, we can't, um, you know, can't, we can't get pat on the back for the sufferings of others, but we can have this great sympathy for people in the church who go through intense suffering because of their dedication to the Christian movement. So I think we should say a prayer for them as well, that they would be sustained, uh, that their work would not be in vain, that they would see that, um, that as they are suffering at the hands of opponents, like there, there's going to be a day where their opponents, when everything's unveiled, they're going to be like, wow, like these people did live the true, wise way. And they'll praise God because of that behavior that they recall from Christians in their midst, even the ones that they brought great harm to. Uh, God, and somehow in the mystery, in the algebra of it all, God is going to bring praise to himself through the, the gutsy sacrifice of his people. Yeah, so with those things in mind, spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that you sustain us by your presence. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've given to all of us so liberally that the Spirit uh, creates character within us, that the Spirit um, convinces us once more and confides within us that we are the people of God, the children of God. We think that the Spirit gifts us for works of ministry. And we thank you that the Spirit gives us an advanced notice of what life will be like in the new age to come. And so we thank you for all the ways which the Spirit helps prepare us for the kingdom. It helps us to enter in and receive the kingdom today. So we pray for us to be filled with the Spirit once more, and we pray that you would show us what it means to have a Spirit-filled and spirited life. Um, God, we also pray for the church, uh, the body of Christ, and parts of our world where they're going under intense suffering, either social um, alignment or uh, their physical harm that comes to them or being mistreated and misunderstood. Um, we just think that you've been the faithful God, uh, the one who draws near to the brokenhearted and those who are carrying heavy burdens. And so we know that you take great interest in the people who are suffering today. And so we pray that you would come down and that you would do something among them, that you would give them safety and relief and reprieve uh, from the attacks that they've received. And we pray that the church would flourish in those areas, areas of the world. Uh, so much so where even like those who are uniting efforts against the church, that they would see the wisdom of the people of God and the simplicity of their life, the way in which they love and care for others and seek the common good, that they would crave that and they want to join that and they would stop uh, pursuing the people of God. So Lord, build the church today. Uh, build it among us in safe places. Uh, build it among us in the hard places, in places where it's challenging to be Christian. We just pray that you be glorified. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.